All right, good afternoon. We are uh, on campus here at ODU and JMU tonight. The Royal Rivalry continues. That, by the way, puts us into a really fun What's Your Rank Wednesday today. Because it is Wednesday, James. I hope you're aware of that. It's That's the, right. the day they refer to as hump day. That is right. Um, back in the old days into the camels and those commercials. But anyway, so uh, today's What's Your Rank Wednesday, dealing with the royal-ish uh, nature of tonight with ODU. And GMU, you know, the Dukes and Monarchs and all that. So we'll, we'll explain that as we go on. Wood Sealy's supposed to pop by uh, sometime in the 4 o'clock hour, probably around 4.45-ish. Uh, there is coaching news in the association, as James mentioned, in the update with Doc Rivers, which we had discussed a little bit yesterday. We'll get into that more of that here coming up in a bit. And, uh, and obviously, there's always coaching news in the National Football League right now because we are in a complete cycle of coaching uh, going on right now. Tons of things going on as teams are grabbing coordinators, uh, they are, you know, in the process of interviewing for coordinator vacancies. We finally have one of the seven head coaching jobs uh, to get filled up with uh, Brian Callahan uh, being hired officially by the Titans. Uh, also a promotion for Rand Carthan, who's going to be running the entire uh, front office now. So that might explain why certain names were never involved here, like, you know, a Bill Belichick, maybe even a Jim Harbaugh, or nobody wouldn't even bother with because they were going to have a front office-oriented uh, roster management uh, with this team, so that's why they went a little bit younger with uh, Brian Callahan, the former Bengals OC. But the big news still is, like we're waiting on the white smoke, right? Uh, you know, we're trying to see, is the Vatican making the announcement yet that Jim Harbaugh, is he staying, is he going? You have the story today out of uh, Michigan, out of Ann Arbor, one of the TV stations, that they have, in fact, upped their offer as this move from the Chargers is supposedly heating up. was also supposed to be a... Second interview coming up with the Atlanta Falcons, but there's some, I guess we'll call them conflicting reports. Want to go with that? Let's do that. Okay, or maybe erroneous might be another word. That's about right. Uh, that one, that it, it might be canceled, uh, that, that second interview with the Falcons. Now, you know, your, your mind starts racing. Well, why would the Falcons cancel the second interview with Jim Harbaugh? Or did Jim Harbaugh cancel it because he's already got something else in mind, uh, whether it's just a pledge of his undying love for his alma mater and he's staying there, or that he's going to go ahead and take the Chargers job, or is it because – the Falcons are canceling it because they're about to make another move, which, you know, maybe it is Bill Belichick, if he can get off his $20 million number. Who knows? There's just so many moving parts here. It's kind of exciting, and it's kind of confusing all at the same time. It's a little bit of everything. Yeah, it is kind of weird, isn't it? It just feels like they're, they've, they're hiding Jim's luggage or something <laughs> over there in L.A. I don't know what the Spanos family's trying to pull here, but it just feels like they're trying to hide something so that he doesn't leave the building. Well, listen, if they're gonna if they're going to make a move, uh, you know, you would think that they would have to strike a deal quickly. And again, Michigan, uh, you know, the, the, some of the trickle down part of this is even, even if you have um, Sharon Moore ready to roll, you know, as we laid out yesterday, some of these rumors about what they may or may not do indicate that he might take a huge chunk of that staff. And so then, you know, you're if you're the Wolverines, you're in the transfer portal for coaches. Uh, suddenly, at that point, yeah, and and those dominoes already fell pretty pretty hard when Nick Saban left. So yeah, we saw how messy that was. Who right? they'd be left with? I mean, who knows? Would they have to steal one of the directional Michigan coaches or something? At this point, that's kind of who you got left. Yeah, so I, I'd be fascinated to see uh, how this whole thing plays. And again, even if you can up the ante, like what is the largest number a college would be willing to pay a head coach? Whatever that number is in your wildest dreams, that's probably got to be close to what the, it would take to keep him. If you're talking about NFL money versus college money, because, again, NFL money, I mean, you think you're talking anywhere in the 17 to $20 million range per year for a coach of his, of his stature. 
Uh, you know, supposedly the Falcons have balked. One of the things that may be keeping the Falcons off the excitement uh, train with Bill Belichick, in addition to some of the things we've laid out before his age, his terrible draft, draft record, and maybe his inability to work with that staff uh, that they have in place in terms of the front office, is his number, which is 20 mil. Yeah. That's what he got in New England. That's what he expects to get in the next job. But that might not be realistic considering that, you know, just because you have all those rings doesn't mean you're going to win them for us. So I could also understand why Arthur Blank's like, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, I don't know how many more you know bags of mulch at Home Depot you would have to sell to, you know, to, to make sure you're paying your coach $20 yeah. million. Plus, you're still going to pay a staff. Right. There is that, it's too. It's not like you're just paying Bill Belichick. Then you've got to pay, yes. you know, your coordinators and assistants and things like that. And it's not like... You know, the, he's going to just grab guys for chump change either. So you have to keep that in mind. And, and I get that these guys are, are billionaire owners, but still, when you're putting that much of a chunk of change in your coaching, that's uh, that's a lot of money. Well, and again, the other, the other thing we've discussed a lot with Belichick is, you know, if this is just like a short situation where it's a three-year deal or, you know, a two- or three-year run, whatever it may be, four-year run tops, then what are you left with? Are you, you know, feeling like you have to kind of keep that formula going – do you have to, you know, then at that point, oh, my God, dare I say, you know, elevate a Josh McDaniel or somebody like that? <laughs> I mean, what an awful situation that would be to put in. So these are all the things that are going on here, but nothing uh, seems to be imminent yet. And, of course, the other franchises appear to be willing to wait out this weekend's games when you're talking about, you know, two, two, at least two to three coaches in the Ravens staff that are getting significant interest uh, led by their defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald. Then, you, of course, uh, Flip it over to the uh, Detroit Lions, and obviously Ben Johnson is the apple of a lot of teams' eye, and, and Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator as well. So a lot of things that needed to be weighted out. And what if, and just what if, play this for a second, we're going to get crazy coaching stuff here, what if Andy Reid really does retire? Like say they lose this weekend and says, like, you know what, I was going to retire regardless win or lose, and if that happens, you know, what is the, I guess, fallout from that and, and how that, all the, that shifts everything? And do you think maybe some of these coaches, too, like a Mike Vrabel, are these guys waiting as well to see what kind of happens? Because, I mean, imagine being Mike Vrabel. you are kind of been waiting it out, and maybe you could possibly slide into the Chiefs job if Andy Reid does retire. That would be a pretty sweet deal for him. Otherwise, maybe, maybe he's a guy that's willing to sit out a year if he doesn't see the right opportunity, and that would certainly be one. Yeah, it would be wild. I mean, like, I remember a few years ago when they brought back, um, you know, Nagy uh, after he got fired by the Bears. They were saying he would be like the coach in waiting. I was like, (laughs) wow, boy, what would a downer would that be if you were the Chiefs, right? Like, what a downer that would be after going from, you know, from Andy Reid to Nagy. I mean, I I don't know how you could do that. I I really don't know how you could do that. I think it's Spags, right? I think Spags would make more sense. And, yeah, you say, well, he was a failed head coach, but he sure as heck wouldn't fall into a team like the Chiefs, right? I mean, so that at least gives you some time to duct tape that thing for a while. But, anyway, it should be interesting. I still don't believe Andy Reid would retire, but, again, crazier things have happened. I probably didn't have Nick Saban retiring my bingo card this year either. No, we didn't. Uh, definitely didn't have that. All right, 757-687-9494. That is the, uh, the uh, phone line, which you can always get us on, the Ballyhoo's phone line. And also the uh, text line, 757-687-9494. All right, the um, poll question of the day deals with uh, the NFL playoffs and the teams that were ousted last week. We'll get to that coming up uh, as well. We've got a lot of things to do this hour, including – uh, some of the latest uh, fallout in Buffalo, fallout in Green Bay after their losses this weekend. Has that cost uh, James' favorite defensive coordinator his job? So we'll get to that coming up 
and what in the heck uh, to make of this whole saga that was as the Bucks turn uh, for the first half of the season in Milwaukee as now Doc Rivers is back in the coaching ranks. We'll get to all of it coming up. It is the Scott Jackson Show live at Chartway Arena here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We are brought to you by Larry King Law. The Scott Jackson Show will return after this timeout on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. All right, we're brought to you by uh, Larry King Law. Injured in accident, call 757-INJURED, 757-I-N-J-U-R-E-D. Uh, Joe Barry out in Green Bay, that officially taking place today. It was never a good thing when your boss no comments, your job status the day yeah. before. Yeah, uh, Matt LaFleur uh, said uh, you know, he was going through his process at his own pace and uh, then today gave the old, we thank Joe for his commitment and contributions to our success the past three seasons. Uh, these decisions are extremely difficult, and Joe is one of the best men I have had the opportunity to work with in this league. He is a very good guy. Just doesn't have particularly good defenses on the regular is the problem. They were uh, they went from ninth to 17th this year in defense. They did have a good finish to the season uh, that last month or so, but overall it was subpar, and uh, they're making another move. I'd be interested to see which way they go. i got to think – the, the Ryan Triplett eventually gets one of these jobs. There's too many defensive coordinator jobs for for our guy, uh, Wink Martindale, not to get hired. Yeah, and he can't be that hard to work with, right? I mean, come on. Listen, his defense is – they produce, right? I mean, he's and he's got a way about him. Um, he's aggressive as heck. He comes after you. Um, you know, he's – I think he got a lot out of that Giants team this year that had some, uh, had some holes that he covered up, but yet – uh, here he is on the unemployment front. I think the Eagles have been linked to him possibly as well. It'll be interesting. I'll say this, the Packers, and this is part of the poll question today, you know, looking at uh, next season, the teams that were eliminated last week, our uh, Dominion Floor Coverings poll question of the day uh, is this on the X, and you can, of course, go and vote at Jackson Sports at uh, ESPN Radio 941 if you want to do so. And it's very simple. Which of the teams eliminated this past weekend – uh, are most likely to be in the championship round a year from now. And right now, a lot of people on the Packers at 43.9% of you, although the other 46.3 like the Bills and just 9.8 to the Texans. Nobody has voted for the poor Buccaneers. <laughs> of course not. Nobody believes in the Buccaneers. <coughs> but I can see that. I would go on Bills or Pack as well if I were allowed to vote. I'm not allowed to vote, though. Well, we, I don't I'm think, ineligible to vote. I think part of it is we, we just kind of don't know what the Bucks are going to look like next year. No, you don't know who the quarterback is. You don't know Mike Evans is on the team. That's kind of a problem. Uh, the Texans, you know, their coaching staff could be in the middle of a huge shakeup. Yep. I mean, there's, there's that part of it as well. So that, as great as things look, uh, you know, with, with C.J. Stroud going into year two, we don't know who the O.C. is going to be. Their quarterback's coach is getting some run here uh, in some of these interviews, so they might be without him. So it could be a whole different <laughs> ball game uh, next season. But anyway, Packers, they got to feel good about the way they end of the season, but they got to get the defense fixed if you're going to take them seriously. And they did. They were banged up a little bit on the defense too, so that's, that's part of it. They'll get some guys back, and if they can be a little bit more aggressive – I think that that defense could take a huge step forward with the right guy, especially if it's like a Wink Martindale. You get a, you get a guy that can be that aggressive and isn't afraid to use the talent that he has. And there's some talent on that Green Bay defense. So, I'm yeah, I'm very curious to see which way they go. All right, so the Bills end of season stuff took place yesterday. Brandon Bean, of course, was asked about your favorite player, Stephon Diggs, <laughs> and uh, says he's still number one receiver. I firmly believe that. I'm not wavering off that. He goes, listen, we have to continue to put weapons out there to keep the teams from bracketing him or, you know, locking him up down in a different way to take him away. They know 
Uh, you are going to want him. Steph can still play. I'm sure he would love to uh, have had that deep ball again. Uh, he'd be the first to tell you that. He's super competitive. He's going to work his tail off this offseason. I know there's various reasons and questions about his production and all that. I see that, but, but I see Steph as the number one receiver. Now, the question is, will they, while he's working his tail off this offseason, kick him out of the OTAs like they did this past offseason? That's a possibility. <laughs> because he gets too disruptive. But anyway. They need receiver help, right? I mean, even if you think Stephon Diggs is still a number one, they need somebody else. Uh, as you look at, again, from weeks one to six, ultra productive, 620 yards, five TDs from seven to the postseason, which is 13 games, just 68 catches out of 111 targets and 636 yards, only three touchdowns. So a huge drop off at the end of the season as more teams kind of dug in on what the Bills were doing. And that all being said, he was open on that drag route when, when you know, Josh Allen tried to, you know, go for the lead. I'm not going to say the win like some of these people out there. There was way too much time left to think that was a win. Yeah, that was not the win. It wasn't a win. I mean, there was way too much time left. The, the field goal, all that assured you was you had tied the game for a moment, you know, towards the end of regulation. Didn't mean you were going to overtime. Not with, not with the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes still getting a chance. I mean, there's no way you can sell me on that ever. But anyway, uh, it be interesting to see what the Bills do because they, they do – Again, I still think the window's open. I'm not one of these people that's you know going to tell you the Bills' lives are over. Yeah, and that's what that's what Bean said yesterday too. Because I'm not laying my head down tonight, going we don't have a shot at it next year. No, he's right. They do have a shot at it. First and foremost, get healthy on defense. Figure that out. Is are you going to continue to have your head coach running the defense, you know, exclusively and calling it, or are you going to bring in an actual defensive coordinator to work with him to do that? And obviously, they need to add. They need to add some free agents um, on defense and obviously need to draft well there too and, and figure out that second receiver uh, area of the field. Yeah, you've got to have two receivers. I mean, I know Dalton Kincaid was a nice surprise mm-hmm. this year and pairing him with Dawson Knox. You were talking about that yesterday, having that one-two punch at tight end. But you you just see it in today's NFL. You need two receivers. Even if you think you've got a one, that's not enough. You have to have that second receiver. That's why we saw the Minnesota Vikings, who, who knew they had their one in Justin Jefferson, go out and get Jordan Addison because they knew they needed another guy and they needed, they needed that number two to pair with him, especially if you can get a guy that's complimentary to Diggs. The problem with the Bills is they don't have that aggressive, big-body wide receiver guy right. like a Mike Evans. Not that they can afford him, but a guy like that that's going to go out there and bully some guys because Stephon Diggs isn't that guy. And, again, his cap number really, really vaults up this offseason, which is going to be interesting to see how they handle that. Uh, currently, right now, looking to the Bills, uh, their estimated cap space is uh, minus $51 million. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a problem. So they're going to have some decisions to make, mm-hmm. right? They're going to have some reshuffling to do, whether it's with contracts or with um, – you know, getting getting out of some getting out of some players, getting you know, getting letting some players loose, those kind of things. So that's what's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. I mean, again, the, as we see over and over, check with the Rams. There's a way to do this with the uh, with the credit card uh, to go ahead and, and still add talent, even though you have some tough cap situations and some tough contracts. Uh, our guy Brian in Chesapeake uh, asks, why is it that subpar is bad, but in golf that it is a goal? <laughs> uh, you have to talk to the golf <laughs> Talk to the golf community. Where's the rim shot when you need it? Uh, Bills should trade Diggs to Arizona, draft Harrison Jr., get that diva out of the locker room. Yeah, but the thing is, Arizona's not going to, A, pay the freight money-wise, like the financial part of it. And you just hit it. 
why would they want to bring a diva into the locker room? I mean, if there was ever a guy who was destined to be a Dallas Cowboy, it was Stephon Diggs. Uh, oh, but, yeah. But I, don't, oh I, but, I don't, yeah. but I don't see that happening either no, because no. of the cap situation. I think the Bills are going to work with it. I think they're going to have to continue to work with him. And, you know, we'll see. Thoughts and prayers. Uh, Val Northern X says, don't you think Buffalo could also upgrade at running back to take some of the pressure? I think the running back actually was excellent. I think Cooks did a really good job. The problem is most of the season they just didn't use him when, when Dorsey was there. Yeah. yeah, Joe Brady did a really nice job as the season progressed when he took over there midseason. So if you look at uh, James Cook's numbers um, – in the, in the end, I believe he reached 1,000 or was just over 1,000, 1,100. I think, yeah, apparently. 1,100. Yeah. And, again, as you point out, wasn't used exclusively early on in the season. Was averaging close to five yards a run, which is, you know, at 4.7. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you can always use another back, sure, because Latavius Murray's not getting any younger. You know, Ty Johnson's just okay. There's no doubt they could use another guy. Didn't he bring in Damian Harris this year? And he got hurt really early. In yeah, the he did. Yeah, he had a pretty bad injury early in the in the uh, season. So, I think there you got a couple things going on um, there that you could look at in terms of another back or a change of pace back. I mean, but this is a team that they just haven't really been running back friendly. I mean, you think look at how easily Devin Singleton fit in down there, you know, with the um, with the Texans issue. Yeah, that is so true. I mean, it's just yeah. like whoever the Bills have picked. I, I think this was the first year in a long time that they've really done a good job with the running game. And we're, we're built for cold weather. And, for, and they, look, they held the ball for the majority of that football game, right? I mean, they really held the ball for a long period of time. Just didn't finish talking about the game, obviously, against the Chiefs last week. Um, from the 757, if you want Bill, just go hit Vrabel. He's cut from the Patriot way. Younger, cheaper, great defensive mind with the uh, same ground and pound offense. Cheaper? I don't know about that. Well, Maybe I think it'd be a cheaper bit. than Bill. I think it'd be cheaper than Bill. But I don't know. Have the Falcons even talked to Vrabel? I don't believe Has they Has Vrabel talked to almost anybody? It doesn't seem like it. Well, he's had, a, he's had a run of interviews recently. Well, he hasn't talked to the team. I mean, I'm surprised again. I think Washington, for whatever reason, they have stayed away from him. They've had other defensive coaches that they've talked to, but not him, which I thought was interesting. I believe Seattle has been with Vrabel. Um, let's see who else. Yeah, the Falcons. Yeah, yeah, the Falcons did interview him as well. Okay, good. Okay, the Falcons. The Falcons just did a uh, in person with him the other day. So there you go. So maybe he, maybe that's the route they're going to go. Maybe that is they're, what they're looking at. I mean, that's a good point. If that's the kind of leadership, if that's the kind of you know, you know accountability you're looking for in your locker room, yeah. just a younger version of it, and a, and a guy who you know he didn't coach in New England, but he played obviously there. But he has been one of the few people that you could kind of linked to Bill Belichick in the NFL that's actually had a lot of success as a head coach. And, I mean, look who he's won with, a quarterback. Right. That's the crazy part. What he's been able to do with, you know, not amazing quarterback play is pretty impressive. And, yeah, he had Derrick Henry, but guess what? He had Derrick Henry. Somebody had to coach that guy up, and he was smart enough to put the staff in place to put in an offense that would center around the running back and allow the quarterback to do just enough, which seems like a dying breed in today's NFL, and yeah, he got A.J. Brown first, so he's had some talent, and he's been able to groom talent through the draft, and that, to me, is the kind of thing that you'd be looking for, which is what Belichick hasn't been able to do. And they got, I mean, they got Drake London there. They've they've got uh, Pitts, Kyle Pitts. They've got talent. They've got uh, two tight ends. Yeah, they got two, and Juno Smith, yeah. They got two really good tight ends, big wide receiver. Of course, the running back situation is really strong with B. John Robinson, Tyler Algier. The whole thing with them is, do they have the quarterback and the answer probably is no at this point so that makes it dicey but 
I thought Ryan Tannehill was done done when he went to Tennessee and Mike Vrabel and that staff got a lot out of him. I was They were the number one seed somehow in the AFC with him. Granted, they lost early in the playoffs, but at least uh, they were able to do that. So I, I think he could go in there and be an immediate impact coach for them. They're not that far off. I mean, that division obviously is not that good, number one, and they have talent in place. Just uh, the right head coach is huge for them. All right, it is Wednesday, so on the text line, we usually get one of these from Willingham, 757-687-9494. His Willingham Wednesday picks, which is, is a lot of alliteration on my part. I have to be very careful with it. Uh, and he's got this. You ready for it? I got it. The Ravens to win. Okay, that's not that crazy, right? But get this. By 13. By 13 over the Chiefs. I could. I, there, there's the a Ravens scenario have, in which that could happen. Now listen, the Ravens have slapped some teams around, like some really good teams. They have a tendency to beat really good teams badly. So that's not, cr- that's not that crazy. In the AFC Championship game, it would be very disappointing, clearly. I think, you know, nobody wants to see a crappy game like that. And get this. The Lions by nine points or more. Now, that's the surprising <laughs> one. Wow. That would be surprising and devastating all at the same time if we had two stinker championship games on Sunday like that. But, all right, Willingham, we have your record uh, written down, and uh, we will uh, go ahead and go with that. All right, uh, 757-687-9494. I, I just got a graphic sent to me from uh, 804 that says this. Bill's last ten games – Receiving uh, yards, Khalil Shakir, uh, 462 yards receiving. Stephon Diggs, 422. But get this, the, not wow. only did Shakir have more yards, but he did it with just 38 targets, whereas Diggs had 80 targets. So to say him and Josh Allen were off of um, that, man. Less than half. That yeah. is crazy. It is crazy, yeah. Yeah, that's, that, is, that is absolutely bonkers. Uh, 804 says, sick of hearing about the guys in the morning complaining about Josh Allen. All show long, they just say the same BS. Scott and James, all day, please. Well, thank you. We don't want to get up that early, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. I, and I, I, I have heard that on occasion this week, though. Listen, the Josh Allen's the easy target, right? And, and as the quarterback, he does have to live with some of it. As we said, that last drive, they kinda, he kind of got out of his – he kind of got out of what had worked for them. Like, they had kept that game the way they had kept it. Because they were they were just methodical, right? right? It was a right. paper cut kind of attack, and he went for the hero ball play twice. And look, the one pass, there's no question, Diggs should catch it. Yep. The second one, Chris Chris Jones wrecked it, but he does have Diggs underneath. And again, I don't know the psyche of Josh Allen at that point with Diggs because clearly, as the season went on, it deteriorated. So maybe he just didn't think it was worth it. My whole point was that drive, not only do you have to go ahead, you have to do it with less than 30 seconds left. You and know that's I mean? why he made the choice he did. Yeah. Well, right no, there. Well, no, but I'm saying he – but he went to the end zone there, and that would have been with, like, a lot – way too much time left because that was only second down. That was prior to them having the throwaway play. So you would have been talking about – Oh, a, I see what you're saying now. A minute okay, 50 yeah. left, we had the lead. But, again, you have to – first objective always is to get the lead, right? But then, you, then Pat Mahomes has the opportunity to drive down and kill you. As times, you know, running out in the game with just two timeouts, and he certainly could have done that. We've seen him do it enough times. Anyway, yeah, if, if Diggs catches the ball game, well, I don't know if the game over. You still had to get in the, you still had to either get in the end zone right, been or a what, get a field the, goal. Been a what, yeah, thirty. And by the way, that was early in the drive. Yeah, that That's was not the game first over. Play. There's too much time left. No, the game's not over if he catches it at all. No, now he's going to hate us. He doesn't want us in the morning show now. But anyway, no, I disagree <laughs> with you there. No, there was way too much time left for for again. That's why it's just funny. Everybody crapping on the kicker. 
where that, all that would have done was tie it with a minute, you know, 40-something left and two timeouts for well, Kansas City. They still could have got the ball back. Are we not talking about that at all? Because if they don't get a first down, you could yeah. they still could have got the ball back. Not with a ton of time, but, yeah. hey, the Chiefs were able to move the ball with a ton of time against the Bills a couple of years ago. Well, that defense, though, was so dead. And I, I saw a really good <clears throat> breakdown the other day by um, – it had to be Orlovsky. Uh, it did it. It was excellent. About how they just saw – you know, they saw this poor guy who was supposed to be on vacation with his family – uh, in the RV, the, the, t- the linebacker, <laughs> yeah, that, that guy. and they were just just hammering the run at him. Like, they were just running. Like, Andy Reid, who doesn't like to run, as we all know, right? Like, this uh-huh. is, like, not what Andy Reid does. But even he was, like, handed it to Pacheco. Until, of course, he got too cute, and he gave it to this, the receiver, uh, you know, Miko Hardman down there, and he fumbled the ball for the second time in the game. But, oh, man. Yeah, they were, they were picking the scab, though. I mean, they, they knew what they were doing. Uh, throughout the game, just just trying to exploit that that matchup. But then again, the Bills did a good job to keep that defense on the sideline. So AJ Klein's the guy I'm trying to think of. Yeah, I thought uh, that wasn't getting exposed, and that defense wasn't getting exposed as much. And credit to them for doing that. But that defense was on their last legs. That's the other reason why I can't spend a whole lot of energy. Yeah. just going off on uh, Josh Allen after that game because their defense stunk at the end of the year, and they had nobody left, and it wasn't all their fault. Certainly, you know, you can say, we got to draft better. we got to be – yeah, well, sometimes, <laughs> you know, the battle of attrition kicks your butt, and that's mm-hmm. what happened to the Bills this year. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to the Doc Rivers news. Very interesting on a couple fronts. Number one, we know about his record as of late in the postseason, which isn't super. But the other part was uh, he was supposed to be helping the coach they fired. Hmm. <laughs> Scott Jackson <laughs> show coming at you live from Chartway Arena, the Royal Rivalry tonight here. James Madison's in town. They've been really good this year. ODU's going to have their hands full. We'll get to that coming up later uh, here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We are brought to you by Larry King Law. James Witham's got your sports center. This is the Scott Jackson Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Oh, my God, that's funny. Oh I thought you'd like that. Oh, my God, that's funny. Oh, yeah, it does. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Even at the beach. I mean, I'm covering up. <laughs> All right. Uh, 757. Oh, that's great. 687-9494. Uh, I've lost my whole train of thought now. Oh, yeah. Doc Rivers <laughs> is the new uh, head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Adrian Griffin is out. Uh, boy, what an interesting ride that was for the first half of the season. I mean, here's a team that is, by the way, second in the NBA in the Eastern Conference. In the East. It's not like they're awful, awful, but... There are some things that uh, have been laid out, you know, in the midseason tournament. There was some in-season tournament. There were some issues. Uh, Terry Stotts quitting before the season started, uh, apparently after, you know, Griffin undressed him in front of the team, ripping him, cursing at him for uh, not getting moving quick enough to a meeting. Uh, this these different things that went on over time. The lack of defense, although I, I'll be curious if Doc Rivers can, in fact, fix that when you're talking about a team that, you know, personnel-wise – as you know, because you have them now, Drew Holiday, when they moved on from Drew Holiday, yep. mm-hmm. there's a reason why their defense was so good because Drew Holiday's awesome at it, and Damian Lillard, frankly, is not. And he has never been a defensive-oriented point guard. Anyway, Bucks 28th in the league right now. Field goal percentage allowed this season, 28th and allowed on floaters this season, which means there's a lot of penetration. Uh, 29th in field goal percentage allowed in mid-range this season as well. Uh, most attempts per game. So teams are exploiting him. Teams' defense... Uh, is is giving up a hundred and almost 125 points a game in January. Wow! And that's and here's the funny part. That's only third worst in the NBA. That's not the worst. One twenty four point nine. Let's see, Charlotte, yeah, Washington, Washington, still playing, right? yeah. yeah. On the positive side, the Bucks' offense has been good this season. Well, that does help you have Dame Lillard. So, what do you get in Doc Rivers, an NBA champion in 2008, 
with the Celtics. And if truth be told, he should have won it twice. Yes, he should have. Um, that was one of the big gags of all time, in my opinion, in uh, the postseason. Um, still one of the greatest flexes ever, though, him sticking that money in the ceiling in L.A. just to get it out later. I mean, seriously. Yeah. That's yeah. badass. Yeah. If you don't know that, Google that thing. But 54 games last season, he won with the Sixers, which is their most since 2001. He's not had a losing season as a head coach. I mean, again, that's not in jeopardy here. I mean, we know the Bucks aren't going to have a losing season. What the difference is, can he elevate the defense, number one? Number two, can he actually advance them in the postseason? Because this team has been a disappointment in the postseason of late. And, again, 16 straight winning seasons awesome. You know, almost 1,100 career wins is awesome and all that stuff. Ninth most all time. Um, he's, uh, I think, tied with Larry Brown right now. He'll go ahead of him this next win. 111 career postseason wins. Uh, he would be, you know, would be as a, a head coach's 25th consecutive season, which would put him just behind Popovich in terms of the consecutive nature of it. But can he fix what needs to be fixed? And, oh, yeah, can they get over the hump in the postseason? And we won't know any of that until we get to June. Yeah, and you just look at his last couple of stops, and he was supposed to be the guy that got a talented squad over the hump and just kind of couldn't do yep. it. So that's the thing that kind of worries me a yep. little bit. If you're a Bucks fan, you go, okay, so you're literally hiring a guy that couldn't do what we're trying to do right now. That's right. But apparently this guy, Adrian Griffin, was so bad at his job, they had to do this. And, and the wild thing was supposedly he was brought in by management, by management to help Adrian Griffin with his problems with communication with players, with these kind of things. So in a sense, they have hired the consultant. <laughs> All right, well, you know, then just do the job. Yeah, you know, you know what? I can't explain to this guy. I can do it. You know, like, there's only so much coaching I can do for this guy. I'm just going to take <laughs> the job. You guys good with that? So, yeah, so CBS Sports has it today. There's nine incidents that led to a firing of, again, a Nine? Nine incidents oh to gosh. a team that was 30 and 13. Again, 30 and 13. They're not a terrible That's team. That's ridiculous. They're 30 and 13. They had won their last couple games. So you're like, I mean, again, immediately yesterday, I'm thinking, oh my god, there's some HR issue or something oh, that's terrible, exactly you what know, I thought, yeah. like the situation in Boston a few years ago. Again, first warning signs: less than two weeks before the opening night, veteran Terry Stott steps down as his role as assistant coach. Terry Stott's well-respected guy, been a head coach in the league, was a successful head coach. According to the Athletic, Griffin asked the coaches to meet by themselves while players did individual shooting. Stotts began speaking with Giannis Antetokounmpo and Damian Lillard first. And when asked for more time with the Stars, Griffin yelled at him in front of the entire team. Stotts and Griffin immediately had a uh, tenacious relationship, and that was the final straw. Had already had a tenacious relationship, uh, according to CBS Sports, and that was the final straw. Um, a trip to the whiteboard, they laid this out. as Apparently after some uh, game one night, Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak, was searching for answers because he was confused by whatever sets they were running. And while the open locker room is for the postgame going on, he's got one of the assistant coaches on the side diagramming plays with him just because he was really curious about what the point of or what their strategy was because right. he didn't understand it. And, again, Giannis, not, you know, not a guy who shakes it up or is you know, known to be a troublemaker by any means, but he's literally just asking, like, what are our goals or what are we trying to do here? Then there was apparently the intervention the first week of the season – he had extremely, his extremely aggressive defense was getting them shredded left and right. The Bucks were 2-2, two and two, gave him 130 to the rebuilding uh, Toronto Raptors. So after that night, um, you know, there was a situation where Griffin was in a post-game press conference and he said sometimes coaches uh, were too smart for our own selves. And uh, he said a couple of players had come to him and he wouldn't disclose who, and they wanted um, – 
to have Brooke Lopez deeper in the drop because you know Brooke Lopez is a shot blocker, and they had yeah. him playing up on the you know up a little bit too much in the key, which was a huge problem. And obviously, they adjusted that, and things got better. Uh, apparently, there was a another incident against the Celtics on November 22nd where he got in an argument with Giannis at the scores table of all places. <laughs> Later on, brushed off the incident. Uh, Giannis has refused to talk about whatever it was. A game in Miami in November as well. They were going to drop a play for a last-second um, possessions, and Giannis said down to the stretch in the huddle that we need to get it to Chris Middleton. Uh, Griffin revealed after the game that uh, he had a plan to go down the liver, down the stretch, but Giannis told them they needed to get to Middleton, and they did, and that uh, was what ended up getting the win for them. So Giannis had better instincts, it sounds like, yep. already. Uh, there's also this incident to foul or not to foul um, against the shorthanded Bulls team that was struggling mightily at the time despite trailing by double digits in the fourth quarter to Buck Storm back to take a three-point lead in closing seconds only to see Alex Caruso in the game in overtime with a three. You know, it's one of those things. Do you foul him in the two-point territory, let him get the three off? They did, of course, the wrong thing. They got the three off. Anyway, Griffin, you know, after the game had some what of a weird explanation on that. And Brooke Lopez kind of contradicted what the coach had told them to do in the huddle. So there was a little bit of that. You had an in-season tournament meltdown. Remember, this is where Giannis did kind of get annoyed, kind of went off of the team about how they weren't playing the right way and all this stuff. And uh, so there was that part of it. Uh, let's see, there's two more. They, then he started saying one of these things, which, again, is just the kiss of death of your coach. we got to be coached better. Like he started yeah, putting that in go. the atmosphere. He go. put that in the atmosphere, and then – he was asked recently um, a few nights after the loss to the Rockets, the Bucks were back at home to take on the Utah Jazz pregame. He was asked about Anacumpo's uh, comments. Uh, he offered some uh, cliches about how defensive, uh, you know, defense wins championships. And um, Giannis had, you know, had previously said that we've got to um, play better and you know, do some things better. And anyway, so they were just playing off of that. And then when pressed specifically about the Stars' claim the team needed to be coached better, Griffin let out a nervous chuckle and then said, I agree. <laughs> and then the team went out and fell, by, fell down by 33 points en route to a fourth straight loss in, or fourth loss in five games. And then two weeks later, he was fired. So there you go. That is quite the timeline. It is. It is quite the timeline. So now, again, well, I, I, I'm with you. I don't know if they've necessarily solved anything, but I don't even know if they're really worried about solving the big picture postseason problem. It was just like, we've got to steady it right now. Because oh, yeah. this guy is getting us nowhere. Like, we're going to go nowheresville, and they're lucky they have one of the best players, if not the best player in the NBA on their team, and they want another top ten player on their team to kind of cover up that stuff, too. And you don't want to keep banging your head against the wall either, quite frankly. I mean, you've, you've got a little bit of a window here, especially with Dame. Like, you mm. know Giannis is going to be there long term. Yeah. You think, you know, even Middleton, clock's ticking, man. Yeah, Middleton's so clock's ticking. He's been you've hurt got a lot. These yeah. guys, you've got these guys that to win now – and who knows what your team is going to look like when you don't have those guys anymore. So it, it makes sense to not wait if you don't think you can win with this guy. All right. Check back with us in June on whether or not it works. All right. 757-687-9494, uh, 757-687-9494. Eagles are uh, talking to a million coordinators. We'll get to that. Plus, now that the Titans have uh, knocked off uh, a coaching hire with six left, where do we stand and all that? Wood Seelig also joins us in the next hour. Uh, breaking news out of Miami we'll get to on the other side as well. Scott Jackson Show. Here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1, we are brought to you by Larry King Law. The Scott Jackson Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. All right, we are uh, brought to you by Larry King Law. Coming to you from Chartway Arena here on the campus of Old Dominion. A beautiful day, by the way, out in Hampton Roads. Hopefully uh, you get out and enjoy it. It's 
They say 60s, but you know what? My car, maybe it's lying to me. James had the 72 mark. I just had I 70 on my phone. So. There you go. There you go. And I'm going to look at my phone right now. It says 69. Wow, how about that? And uh, getting to 71. There you go. All right. Uh, 757 687 the text line and also the Ballyhoo's phone line. All right. Vic Fangio is out in Miami. Uh, they announced uh, that they have mutually agreed to part ways with the veteran assistant coach. Uh, he is now, just like that, according to Adam Schefter and Jeremy Fowler, going to be the top candidate for the Philadelphia Eagles' vacant defensive coordinator position. Huh. So do you think Vic, Vic knew that and said, you know what, I'm not really loving it here in Miami, and is that's why he's weaseling out, or did the Dolphins give him the exit door? That's, that's what I would like to know. It's hard to tell, isn't it? Because I wouldn't look at the Philadelphia situation and rush to get there. So that's why I'm not really sure it's it's Fangio seeing maybe a better opportunity elsewhere. Maybe the whole you know Mike McDaniel thing just wore wore on him a little bit. Maybe he's just different personalities. Because let's face it, Mike's a different dude. Maybe that's not for everybody. And and you know the injuries took their toll on this Dolphins team this year and maybe he just wants to change the scenery maybe he just is wants to chill out for a year too just because it's that's who their top target is doesn't mean that Fangio wants to continue to do this he was um he was the Eagles consultant in the middle of last year for about two weeks last year he was a consultant uh prior to the Super Bowl before he went and joined the Dolphins which was interesting with uh Jonathan Gannon and I thought that you know that was kind of um an interesting situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe, maybe again, that he liked it a lot there. Maybe he thought, okay, maybe this will work out, and that's why he's going to do it. I don't know what, what the whole thought process behind it is, but it is kind of weird that a lot of these offensive coaches or, or defensive coaches, depending on which one you are, they kind of scapegoat the other side of the ball sometimes. <laughs> now, the Dolphins' defense was in tatters at the end of the season, right? They were a mess, yet – you know, here they are, you know, moving the defensive coordinator out. Their offense, by the way, was terrible in the game uh, in, in, in Kansas City, right? Like, the offense didn't do anything. But clearly, Mike McDaniel's not going to fire himself or uh, call himself out. So, this is kind of um, – it's always kind of amusing to me. But, you know, Fangio, if that's really Philly's top target, um, I'll be fascinated to see. Because they, they kind of turned it around at one point, didn't they? Mm-hmm. They did. Yeah, they, at one point, I thought they were actually doing a good job uh, defensively as the year went on, but then they lost people, and then they kind of fell to pieces. I don't know. Maybe my, maybe my memory short. Dolphin fans helped me out. I, don't know. I know that early in the season, people were down on Vic Fangio. They were like, oh, he's terrible. Get him out of here. And then it, like, it kind of turned the other direction after that. I feel like they righted the ship a little bit in the, in the middle of the season, but then they, start, they lost like five pass rushers, and then – when that happens, what do you do? There's really not a whole lot you can do to put a Band-Aid on that and make it yeah. better. And then, you know, they also didn't really have Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey together for right. most of the season. And, that, you know, those are two big names. And it's great to have one or the other, but you kind of like to have both. All right, 757-687-9494 uh, from the 804 saying, terrible move. He was the genius who they brought in to help the defense before the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, we were just talking about that. Uh, he had a great second half, eyes rolled. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jonathan Gannon took a lot of crap after that Super Bowl. I mean, the Eagles' defense has gone backwards since that moment, right? Like, they've gone backwards. 
they literally were like sack record team a year ago to we can't get to the quarterback team this year. And, you know, pretty much the same personnel. They had some, they had some losses. Hargrave was a big loss. But they supposedly had drafted themselves really well. Those young Georgia tackles are supposed to figure all that up. You know, Nicobe Dean was a big draft from uh, in the draft as well for the previous year. You had, uh, you know, they brought Bradbury back. They were able to keep Slay at less money. I think Bradbury was particularly good this year. Slay had some injuries too. Of course, they brought in um, Byard in the middle of the season, right? Keith Byard was was injured and was, you know, or excuse me, was brought over in Tennessee after all those injuries took up. It's just like all this collection of talent there that's supposed to be talent, but yet they couldn't get it done this season. And what was the different the different uh, denominator was, well, yeah, Jonathan Gannon's not here anymore. And remember how how much we thought that Bayard move was genius. Yeah, right? this was another. Really e- this yeah. was the other. The new, e- the next Eagles move right. that they do. This is what they do. They get better and better and better as the season goes on. When they need a piece, they go out and get it, and it just didn't fit. Never, never fit. Uh, speaking of the Eagles, they they had a press conference today, and it's, it's ongoing as we speak. Apparently, it was um, delayed by at least a half hour or so, uh, with uh, with the start of it for some reason. But now. Um, he, the, he was asked just a minute ago about Vic Fangio and whether or not he'd, he'd be looked at. And he said, we'll see, you know, because they're going to look at everything at this point, which makes sense, right? And you're not going to show your cards in a, right, in right. a press conference when no. something just happened. Oh, either, yes, we're so. hiring immediately. <laughs> Thank you for asking, because yeah. I was just thinking about that. I was actually unaware uh, that he uh, was yeah. available. Could you tweet that out right now that I'm going to hire him? Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Yeah, probably not <laughs> something you're going to do. Let's get to Johnny in Virginia Beach. Johnny, thanks for waiting. You're on the Ballyhoo's phone line. How you doing, bud? Hey, doing great, man. Thanks for taking my, my call, Scott. Hey, thank you. Um, I just had a couple quick uh, ideas, man. I, I'm a big Commanders fan, and um, since we're the odds-on favorite, the Vegas odds-on favorite to get Ben Johnson, I had a couple ideas for the defensive coordinator position. Um, I know you just talked about Vic Fangio, man. Who do you think would Anthony Weaver or maybe Wink Martindale? Because um, I know it's always good to get some veteran leadership. Uh, right. For a new head coach like that, um, what do you think? Well, it's interesting because they've talked to Weaver at least once. And I think they're going to talk to him again this week, so maybe that is an angle they're playing there um, with Johnson. I, I do think again, I'm a big Martindale fan. I know he's not for everybody. I mean, I, I like his style. Maybe it's just because he made us look so bad this year twice. I'm not sure, <laughs> but <laughs> maybe that's that's what I'm basing it on. But I also felt like he got more out of less. You know what I mean? Uh, with that team this year, so I, I do like Martindale. I just it just depends on the coach clearly who they like. The only thing I'm worried about with Johnson is, you know, especially when this thing drags out. Like, yeah, this is the ability to put the staff together, right? Like that that would concern me yeah. with any of these assistants. Frankly, I mean, any any assistant coaches, it worries you their ability to put the staff together. Especially a guy, if you're going to pick one of these boy genius offensive coordinator types that spends all their time there, and you know they got plays they want to run. Um, you know, they really need to staff it up on the defensive side. Um, they also, you know, need, you know, like I always ask about all these guys, well, can they coach the other 52 players besides a quarterback? Because that's kind of really important, too. And I think we get so hung up on, you know, you have to have this kind of coach, that kind of coach, so just getting the best leader and the best team builder. And that's why I, if it was up to me, I would have been, I would have been in Ann Arbor. I would have, I would have been, actually, I would have talked to Jim Harbaugh as he's running off the field in, in Houston. I mean, I would have been that, 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 that uh, aggressive about it, but obviously that's not a direction they went. Well, let me ask you another question. Now, I, what, who's your odds-on favorite for the offensive coordinator for there? Because I know a lot of people were talking about Jared Johnson, who's one of my favorites. And then you got, you know, 
Daryl Bevel, uh, who's their passing game coordinator. I know he, they didn't really do great in Kansas City, but you know, there's there's options out there. You know. Yeah, I don't think it really matters because it's Ben John. It's gonna if you're talking about Ben Johnson, we're talking about Ben Johnson still being the head coach. Yeah, for Ben Johnson, like who do you think? Will yeah, be, I be think. Well, the, you know, Mark Mark Brunel could pe- potentially be back. I mean, Mark Brunel is his QB's coach right now. Um, with uh, with the Lions, if he doesn't get elevated there, and doesn't, and he, you know, he's been in Washington. He's lived there before, obviously, with uh, when he played there with Gibbs. So he knows the situation. At least he knows the area. If he wants to get out of Detroit and um, go with Ben Johnson and be the OC, uh, but again, with Johnson leaving, that might they, who knows who they, who they elevate there. They might want to elevate Brunel as the OC there. I guess we'll see. And uh, by the way, man, I love the show. Um, ever since you took over for Tim, and it's it's been great. I listen to you guys every day. I appreciate it, Johnny. Thanks for calling, man. Don't be a stranger. Appreciate it. All right, 757-687-9494. But, yeah, I mean, the Washington thing, it really seems like they're slow playing it to one of these the, the guys that are in the championship game right now. I, yeah. I, I don't, you know, I, look, if they really love Slowick or one of these other guys, they could have just done it. I mean, they, they've hit all the Rooney Rule, uh, you, know, uh, hot, you know, interviews. They could, If they loved Raheem Morris, they could hire him right now. They, but they've had these preliminary interviews with these other candidates, but yet they haven't made you know a move because again they've, they've done seconds with others. So if they loved one of those guys, they could have gone ahead and hired them. They don't. There's nothing really that's stopping them from doing that from the guys that are quote available. But the fact that they haven't makes me believe that yes, the betting favorite thing might actually be right for once. Yeah, because a lot of time the betting it feels like Ben Johnson wrong. or bust. Yeah, yeah, I feel like the betting favorite's wrong. Actually, I got to write this down. I got to ask Murray about this on Friday because I think this betting thing is kind of bogus. I mean, it might end up being right in this case, but I think a lot of times they really have no idea. Like it's it's like we're, we're going to make Ron Rivera the betting favorite to be fired in season, and it never <laughs> happened, right? Which was really again, I thought I would have yeah. taken bets against that. I told oh, yeah. you that that they were not going to do what's going on. Um, my friend Gutley says Hank Fraley is the OC coming with Johnson. He's a must. But again, what if the Lions say no? Hank Fraley is our OC. I, you know what I mean? So there's all these. Other well, and that's the whole Mike McDonald yeah. thing too. If, yeah. if McDonald leaves Baltimore, what's to stop Baltimore from elevating Weaver to their yeah. DC? Right. So, so right. It, it wouldn't make sense to try and hire yeah. him away if he thinks yeah. he's the DC and waiting in Baltimore. Yeah, that's what I'd be interesting. But again, all these guys, they're going to get opportunities to stay on that staff too and be elevated. But Fraley, you know, is a offensive line guy, which clearly Washington needs. He is a kid from Maryland too, and he's went to. Ga- I think he's a Gaithersburg High School kid. So there's there's a connection there. You know, if he'd want to go back, although I don't know if he was like a product of the '90s, he may not want to go anywhere near there. I mean, because it was <laughs> mid '90s. You true. know, he's watching that debacle. That is he might true. be scared straight not to want to go back there. And he, of course, was a uh, Philadelphia Eagle. He was a Steeler, I think, at one point as well. Um, when he, I think he was drafted by the Steelers, but I think he actually or was undrafted by the Steelers. He started there, and he was with the Eagles, and might have been like the Browns as well. But anyway, seven five seven six eight seven ninety four ninety four. All right, we're way overdue for break. Let's get the football at four coming up. Scott Jackson show coming at you from Chartway Arena here, Priority Auto Sports Radio ninety four point one. We are brought to you by Larry King Law.